Today's article is by Paul Talty from Swim Ireland and discusses the what, why, and how of applying strength and conditioning to high-performance swimming. This includes a unique insight into how Paul sets up the strength and conditioning program for some of Ireland's top swimming talent. The significant and varying physiological demands which these various events place on the body requires swimmers to train to improve both aerobic endurance and muscular strength to enhance competitive performance. It is typical to see competitive swimmers engage in long hours of training in the pool with some Irish international competitors doing as much as 18 minutes 20 hours of pool training a week at certain stages of the season. Although in strength and conditioning program is aimed at improving the capacity of the swimmer to produce more force during their stroke. It is ultimately swimming technique which will determine the athlete's ability to turn this increased force into increased swimming speed. With that in mind, the first thing that any strength and conditioning or swimming coach must recognize is that a good strength and conditioning program will complement, not replace sport-specific in water training and should enhance not hinder the overall quality of training. In this way, communication between the swimming and strength and conditioning coaches is critical. The benefits of strength and power for high-performance swimming. There are three main areas wherein strength and conditioning program will support a swimmer's performance. 1. Swimming velocity. 2. Starts and turns. 3. Injury profile. Swimming velocity. Swimming velocity is a product of stroke length and stroke rate. The relative importance of stroke length and stroke rate appears to be dependent on factors including the length of the race, the level of fatigue of the athlete, and the preferred technical strategy of the swimmer. An independent increase in either factor will result in an increase in swimming velocity. While the direct impact of strength training on stroke length rate has not been researched, swimmers achieving the fastest times in the world tend to have the longest strokes won. However, research has shown that the inclusion of strength training alongside regular training has a significant positive impact on the energy cost of swimming, meaning that for every stroke taken, the athlete has to do less work. This improvement in energy cost comes from an improvement in the athlete's ability to coordinate the muscular actions required to produce force. This improvement in energy efficiency may contribute indirectly to the swimmer's ability to manipulate their stroke length and stroke rate to find the optimal combination which will result in improved swimming velocity. Starts and turns. The impact of strength and power on start and turn performance has been more clearly demonstrated with clear relationships reported in a number of research studies. Three. 4. In essence, athletes who can produce more force more quickly execute these two components of a swimming race more effectively. This clear relationship makes sense as both the start and the turn of a swimming race are effectively jumps off of solid ground, and the relationship between strength, power, and jump performance has been long since established. We at Swim Ireland ran our own internal research on the relationship between a number of strength, power-related variables and start performance. We found similarly strong relationships between start performance and, in particular, Jump height and peak power outputs. Injury profile. As mentioned earlier, competitive swimmers could find themselves engaged in sport-specific training for 18-plus hours a week. This can equate to anything up to 8 miles of swimming a day which is equivalent to roughly 2,500 revolutions of the shoulder a day. Swimmers will also look to achieve a streamlined position when they are moving through the water which will typically leave them in a slightly hyperextended position at their lower back. A combination of high workloads and extreme positions means that the athletes are at an increased risk of picking up a multitude of different injuries. One study indicated a rate of 4 injuries per 1,000 hours of participation in men and 3.78 injuries per 1,000 hours of participation in women 5. However, research across a range of different sports and a multitude of injury types indicates that strength is a key factor in reducing susceptibility to injuries. It is also clear that the development of quality movement patterns and neuromuscular control will improve how an athlete executes their sporting movement and have a positive impact on the risk of overuse injuries. Key considerations when designing a strength and conditioning program for high-performance swimmers. There are three key components to take into account when developing in strength and conditioning, or dry land, program for high-performance swimmers. 1. The swim athlete profile. 
individual needs of the athlete. 2. The swim coach's philosophy. 3. The overall workload and training schedule of the athlete. The swim athlete profile. Athleticism is a quality that most observers of sport can readily recognize and appreciate. However, accurately describing what constitutes athleticism can be a little trickier. Paul Gamble described the 10 pillars that he felt encapsulated the concept of athleticism 6 illustrated in Figure 1. In my experience, many swimmers are lacking in a number of these traits when asked to execute movement on dry land. They do not tend to have high levels of body awareness or mastery of fundamental athletic movements. As I see it, this can be explained in part by two key factors. Firstly, these athletes spend the majority of the active parts of their week in a suspended environment which does not lend itself to developing good movement capacity and awareness on dry land. Secondly, although swimmers' body shape and proportions can vary depending on preferred stroke and or distance, swimmers who achieve sustained success have unusual limb lengths and body proportions. These two factors can combine to make it trickier for them to develop what most strength and conditioning coaches would regard as high-quality biomotor skills. As such, it is critical that a relentless effort to develop and optimize the fundamentals of good movement underpin any dryland program that a swimmer is asked to complete at all stages of their career. Identifying and catering to the other individual needs of the athlete's physicality must also be a cornerstone consideration for each athlete. This should take into consideration individual differences in injury profile and identified strengths and weaknesses. The event the athlete focuses on will also dictate the detail of the strength and conditioning program as the strength and power requirements of a 50-meter sprint will differ from a 1,500-meters race. The swim coach's philosophy, the strength and conditioning, or dryland, program for high-performance swimmers cannot operate in isolation from the swimming program. One of the biggest drivers of what the swim coaches and strength and conditioning staff at Swim Ireland do is to create synergy between the swim and gym components of the training program. This does not mean that the gym program needs to exactly replicate the movement patterns of swimming on dry land, nor does it require significant amounts of additional energy systems development in the gym program. Rather, it means we work to ensure that each component complements the aims of the other at each stage of the training cycle. In practice, this may mean that the swimming coach will sacrifice some volume or intensity in the pool to allow the athletes the space to put more effort into the gym program where the volume or intensity may be higher for a period in order to force a certain adaptation. Subsequent blocks of training may see a flipping of this principle where the strength and conditioning program may curtail some of the volume or intensity to ensure that the athlete's pool training is being supported and not hindered. Critical to this success is clear and transparent communication between the strength and conditioning practitioner and the swimming coach. However, synergy between swim and gym is not always that readily achieved. In this instance, the strength and conditioning practitioner should work to develop an understanding with the swim coach around how both components can better complement each other. In the meantime, the athlete's progress in the pool must remain front and center in the strength and conditioning coach's mind, and therefore some choices may be required which may appear suboptimal in terms of the development of strength and power but which, when applied consistently, will allow for the athlete to continue to train at a sufficient level in both the pool and the gym to create positive adaptations. For example, Although the strength and conditioning coach may ideally seek five work sets to improve strength in the bench press or may look for three accessory exercises at the end of the session to improve robustness. A bigger win may be achieved by just doing three sets of bench press or one accessory exercise if they are done to a sufficiently high standard. Workload and training schedule. The workload and training schedule of the athlete is the final key consideration for the strength and conditioning coach when planning a dryland program. This is closely linked to the above discussions regarding the needs of the individual athlete and the coach's training philosophy. The workload, or mileage, that the athlete is subject to will be heavily dependent on the event they are training for. A sprint swimmer may only complete 15 minutes 20 kilometers in a week while a 1,500 meters swimmer may complete 100 plus kilometers in a week. It goes without saying that this will have a significant impact on the quantity and quality of work that can be completed on deckside or in the gym. 
The ideal placement of the gym sessions in the overall weekly schedule will vary to some extent depending on the placement of certain training units in the pool. Quite often gym and pool sessions will immediately follow one another. During a speed, power development phase in the gym, it would not be sensible to place a gym session immediately after a high-volume aerobic power session in the pool. Better to complete this session alongside the key speed session of the week in the pool. How I do it at National Center for High Performance. Any program I write is underpinned by the philosophy of move better, be stronger. My number one aim with the athletes in NCD is to ensure that they are executing the fundamental movements of squat, press, pull, hinge, and jump to a very high standard. These fundamentals are layered with varying forms of load in order to develop general and specific strength qualities as required for the sport. In terms of exercise selection, our focus is on the big three of squat, bench press, and chin-ups. These exercises are the best stimulators for the most relevant musculature involved in swimming performance. Once a high quality of execution under low to moderate load has been established, the aim is to build relative maximal strength and power. In addition to these three key exercises, I will also use the Olympic weightlifting lifts, and their derivatives throughout the program along with loaded and unloaded jump variations. Assistance exercises that support the development of our primary lifts and the promotion of muscular balance will also be included in the form of single leg exercises, horizontal and vertical pushing and pulling exercises and posterior chain focused exercises. Loads and rep ranges used will vary depending on the adaptation being sought in the stage of the season. I commonly follow a vertically integrated program of development where multiple biomotor qualities are touched on within a block. In this system, the key emphasis of the block receives the greatest attention and most prominent placing within the sessions, while other qualities are retained in order to limit the decay of any previously developed strength qualities. Ultimately, low-volume, high-force strength training programs which are geared towards building relative maximal strength and power have demonstrated the best transfer to swimming performance 7. So we tend to steer away from very high-volume sessions unless there is an identified issue around an athlete's energy system's development which cannot be addressed in the pool alone. In the vast majority of cases that I have seen over the years, the focus should remain on being exceptional around the basics of building robust movement, layered with increased force outputs in the key exercises. The below is a sample training cycle from the 2020 to 2021 season for a 200 meters athlete with eight years experience as a senior international competitor seeking to qualify for the Tokyo Olympics in 2021. The graph clearly shows how an increase in volume in the pool is matched with a reduced volume and intensity in the gym. The week's out row is indicative of proximity to the key winter swimming meet of the season. The loading scheme row indicates the rep ranges used for the key strength exercise of that week. Once again, thank you Paul Talty over at Swim Ireland to let us turn his post into a podcast. Links to the article are in the show notes. Thanks so much for sharing. We individualize training in the pool, so why not individualize your nutrition? Erica Barney of Barney Wellness Building will help you and your swimmers get exactly what each athlete needs through genetic testing and personalized nutrition plans. So stop guessing what you should and shouldn't be putting into your body. Athletes within a few weeks have noticed they're recovering faster because they're fueling their body with what they need and staying away from what their body hates. Erica understands swimming. She gets it. She's worked with over 20 Olympians, including the fastest man in the world, Caleb Dressel. Group discounts are available, so go to Biney Wellness Building and get in touch with Erica today. That's Biney, B-E-I-N-E, wellnessbuilding.net.